Amen. They are not going to be exciting messages, but they are meant to build us. Hallelujah. So, just be attentive. Respond as you have to. Write, because you're going to learn a lot. Amen. I want you to close your eyes and lift up your right hand. Speak the language of the Holy Spirit for two minutes. Pray in the language of the Holy Spirit. Mama la da 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 basha de abala baha. Emba da 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 basi abala da da baha di abala da. Rimbala dos ki pala la la baha. Pray that the Spirit of God will excite your spirit with His Word, empower your spirit with His Word, that your life as a Christian. Will never be the same again. Rada la bahadia, mando seka baha, marada da basada la baba, lebrandi losadri kabaha, mani gosada baha, ina la basada baha. In the name of Jesus. Tonight we continue from where we ended on Sunday. We began the teaching on church culture by the profile, looking at the profile of the disciple. The profile of a disciple. And we learned that the first characteristics of a disciple is what? Is what? Hi. We learned that the first characteristic of the disciple is what? He is a learner. He is a learner. He is open-hearted to follow. Amen. The next one we learned was that he puts God first. He puts God first. So, the first one is that a disciple is a learner. He's opened. His heart is open. He's ready to conform to the word of God. And if you and I will follow the Lord with an open-heartedness, Every day we shall move in maturity in following him. Disciples are not made overnight. They are made over a period. So if you don't follow, you will struggle to grow as a Christian. I'm still not comfortable on stage. And we move to the fact that we put Jesus or God first in everything that we do. And that was where we began to look at the various types of obedience. Who remembers the first one? The first level of obedience. So, let me do a recap quickly so that I can fire from there. The first one is that the person will know what is right, but he will not do it. So we know that this is right. This is what God wants us to do. But we choose not to do it. The next one is, God, if you give me this, I will equally give you something. So if, God, if you do this for me, I want a marriage. If you give me my marriage, I will equally give you something that you want. The third level is 
God, do this for me and I'll do whatever I want me to do. The fourth level of obedience is, God, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to give you whatever you ask and I'm going to believe you by faith to get what I want. Are you following? Then the fifth one is, God, I will obey you whether or not you give me anything. So the fifth level is where God wants us to be. The fifth level of obedience is the place that God wants us to be. It's the place that God wants every disciple to be. So that when he asks for whatever from us, we will not resist his command. Are you following me? So Abraham just obeyed God. He didn't ask God, if I do this for you, you must do this for me. No. When God asked him for Isaac, he just went to, he didn't know what God had in stock for him. He just obeyed. And that is the level of obedience every disciple must get to. Because if God tells us to do something, you know, there's always a struggle between your flesh and obeying God. And we always want to, you see, nature, human nature is like, if I do this for you, you have to do this for me. So we carry it in our following God. And in doing that, we limit our growth in God. God wants you to get to the fifth level of obedience where whatever he demands from you, regardless of what he can give you, you obey. Else if you are going to follow God to obey him when he does something for you, you are going to remain at the level where you cannot grow into a true disciple. Jesus met Peter and John fishing and he told them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Still not comfortable and still. And the Bible said, immediately they left their net and their boat and they followed him. They didn't ask him, so if you follow what are we going to get? In the, the Bible said, immediately they left what they, they were doing and followed Jesus. And that is the level that God wants us to be. If we can get there, we can have everything in God. I see you in that realm. I said, I see you in that realm. In the name of Jesus. Now, we must put God first and not me first. You must put God first and not you first. In all that we do, God must take preeminence. God must be the reason why we do what we do. Jesus must be the reason why we do what we do. Paul, John the Baptist said that, that I may increase, I, I may decrease, so that he will do what? Increase. It's not about us, but it's about him. So if we have to grow into true disciples, we must give God the first priority 
in every decision we take, it must be God first. So the Bible said, seek ye first. In our seeking, the first interest should be of God. That is a true disciple. So as a Christian, if you want to be a true disciple, Jesus must be the reason why you do what you do. Jesus must be the reason why you take the step you are taking. Jesus should be the reason why you are saying what you are saying. Jesus should be the reason why you have taken the position you've taken. Can I hear a big amen? Jesus is our master. As a disciple, your master is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't know whether you understand what it means to have somebody as a master. Jesus is our master. He is our savior. He is our lover. But he is our master. That means that we take orders from him. And that is why whatever we do, a servant does whatever he, he would do to please the master. We are both servants and sons in the Lord. Jesus came to make us sons, but we become sons in order to serve the master. And you see, a lot of people struggle to understand certain messages about sonship. Any message on sonship that will make you proud and be full of yourself. I'm the son of God. I'm the son of God. And doesn't give you a sense to make yourself a servant. It's not a gospel. Every true son of God will make himself a servant to serve the Lord. I see you becoming one. I said, I see you becoming one. In the name of Jesus. Jesus is in charge of your life. Jesus is the in charge of your life. He is the one that directs the affairs of our destiny. He gives us direction and we follow. And that, you see, that is the disciple. But we have many in church today who take their own decisions regardless of the directions of God. And that will place you in a realm or a path that can lead into destruction or stagnation. So you bind that stagnation, it will not bind because you are outside the will of God. Are you following me? As a disciple, you must serve the interest of your master. We must serve the interest of our master. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 5. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. So, we are servants of Christ and servants of God. That is a disciple. One of the mark of a disciple is that he's a servant of God. He served the direct interest of the Lord Jesus Christ. So whatever you are doing in church, are you doing it for yourself? Do you have an interest? That is why you are doing what you are doing. Do you have some strings attached to it? Or all you are doing is that, Lord, 
I want to glorify your name in my life. A true disciple is the one that puts God first in every decision that he's taking. Give the Lord a good clap offering. Tell somebody by you, I am changing from today. Say, I'm changing my mind from today. I don't like your, I don't like your voice. Tell somebody, I'm changing my mind from today. In the name of Jesus. Give the Lord a mighty clap offering. If Jesus is your master, we must obey him at all costs. That is the price of the disciple. We must obey him at all costs. And in obeying, we grow in him. There cannot be growth outside obedience. Spiritual growth is achieved in a consistent life of obedience to God's word. If Jesus came to save you and you acknowledge the death the barrier and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, he didn't just save you, he became your master. He became your ruler. He became your leader. So what you must do is that we follow Jesus and he makes us into what he wants us to become. Can I hear a big amen? amen. Your pastor becomes a representative of Christ in your life. So Jesus, when he was about to ascend to heaven, he didn't leave the church without a leader. He didn't leave Christians without a structure. He didn't just ascend. The Bible said in Ephesians chapter 4, let's read it, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 10 downwards quickly. Ephesians 4. He said, he that, as, he that descended is the same also that has ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. Verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, some pastors and some teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the church. So when Jesus was ascending, he didn't leave his office vacant. He gave to the church Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to continue the work he was doing in the church. So, wherever a pastor occupies is the direct office of the Lord Jesus Christ to lead the flock, to shepherd the flock, to take care of the flock, so your pastor is your caretaker. Are you here? Your pastor is your shepherd. He feeds you. Therefore, functioning in the place of Jesus, he becomes a kind of a master to you. You cannot mature if you don't know some of these things. And many Christians, actually, we, 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 we don't know what the church is. You know, we don't know what it is like. People just go to church and go home. I came and I can go. No. 
If you have that kind of mindset, you are going to detach yourself from many blessings that the church can bring into your life. So your pastor occupies the direct office of the Lord Jesus Christ in the church. So what Jesus should have been doing, he ordained and empowered other human beings to be graced to do what he should have done. Follow me. A pastor is someone who God put in charge of a flock. A master is someone in charge of something. That is why during the wedding, a wedding ceremony, the pastor blesses the marriage. He represents as a representative of God. He brings two people together. If you lack an understanding into the purpose of church, the purpose of a pastor in your life, you will be a stranded sheep in the kingdom of God. Every sheep must have a shepherd. Else that sheep will be stranded. Disciples don't just appear. They are made over time. You can't be a strong Christian overnight. You must be made. You must become. And it's not an overnight thing. It takes us having a mind of putting God first in all that we do. Then in that state, you give preeminence. Your mind is set on things which are above. Shagalabahaya. If you don't take and receive your pastor as a shepherd, as a leader, as a master, as an instructor, as a father who has been sent by God and given to you by God to feed you, take care of you, direct you, counsel you, pray for you, watch over you, you'll be a stranded sheep. Most of the people we, we are in the office with, wherever you work, they have their own masters. Who is your master? Before they come to work, they have been prayed for. Whatever. Between Friday and Monday, you know where they go. God gives you men to guard you in the church. That is why there is church in every locality. That Christians should gather. That gathering is a force that the devil doesn't want in any community. So therefore, he will make believers not to be committed to the local church. As long as there is a local church in the community, God has a portal to connect to the community. And it takes God's people to make a church. 
Give the Lord a mighty clap offering. Is that a clap? The systems of God does not contradict itself. It doesn't contradict. You can't say, I, I am a Christian. I don't need a pastor. I don't need to belong to a church. Every human being belongs to a family. That's why you have a surname. And your surname is different from mine. So every born again believer must belong to a family. Your spiritual family is your church. Follow the teaching. Acts chapter 20 verse 28. Let's go to the scriptures. And when Acts chapter 20 verse 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves. Paul talking to the apostles. The pastors. And to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. So your pastor was made an overseer over you, not by himself, but by the Holy Ghost. Give me another version. Quickly. So guard yourselves and God's people. I like that version. So if your pastor tells you, be very careful of what you are doing, he's guarding you. If your pastor, you bring a man, you, you bring a lady that you want to marry, and your pastor counsels and says, mm, he doesn't feel right about this lady. He's guarding you. It's not that he has a personal interest. He is under command. So guard yourself and God's people. You can be going somewhere. There's somebody who come and tell you, Pastor, I've been seeing Stephen somewhere. Now go Be very careful. I'm not comfortable where you are going. It doesn't mean I have an interest. I'm executing my tax as your pastor. I guard myself. So, you see, this one maybe I'll deal with it at the camp because it's too deep. So I says, oh, why is pastor not, eh, eh, pastors don't, eh, pastors have bodyguards. We don't know where pastor stays. Eh, when I give pastor a dress, he doesn't wear, he's guarding himself. <laughs> He's doing what? Guiding himself. When, I, when I'm doing a party and I invite pastor, pastor will not come. When I do my wedding and I'm, I'm doing the, the reception, pastor will not come. If he comes to eat in your reception and I don't, he starts running. How will he preach on Sunday? He's guarding himself. So you just disappear after they are bless you, your husband and wife is gone. But let's let's go. He says, So guard yourselves and God and God's people, feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Ghost has appointed you as elders. That word elders is translated shepherds. So Every pastor is functioning in the very office of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is how you should see your pastor. You can be older than your pastor. You can be younger than your pastor. You may be the same age like your pastor. You may have more qualifications than your pastor. 
It doesn't change the equation here. The spiritual law and principle is that flock submit to their shepherd. And that is God's order. That is the system God has put in place to ensure that his people are guided very well. A shepherd will never lead his sheep to a, 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 a field that is filled with tongues and ask them to eat. No, he will not. A shepherd will lead them into greener pastures. Every Christian must have a pastor and must recognize the place the pastor plays in his life. The pastor does not control him in a sense. In a sense too, he controls him because whatever you hear from your pastor every day, that is why you meet two, three Christians and they all think differently. Hello, are you here? Yeah, they all think differently. Some Christians can take American lottery to their pastor. Their pastor will pray for them. Eh? Eh. Another one too, you take, oh, contract marriage. Pastor, I've gotten contract marriage. You'll be happy. Another one will say no. Another pastor will be feeding his people. It's your, it's your mother who is doing it. your mother who is doing it. Another pastor will not believe that. So whatever you, where, whoever feeds you over time makes you into a certain type of disciple. Are you here? So if we put God first, we will have an interest in the system he has put in place in the church for our own benefit. You should never open your mouth and insult any pastor. You should never, if even you don't believe in that pastor, keep quiet. If even you think that pastor is fake, keep quiet. Because you may be heavily wrong and you never know. And you have touched an anointed man. Are you in church or you've gone home? The way you are quiet. This, that's, that's why I said these messages, eh, they are maturing you. If you are not mature, you will sit in the office and they will be insulting a certain pastor. You too, you add your voice. You add, eh, no! Keep quiet. Because he has a flock. He may be wrong, but you did not call him. If your uncle is wrong, you don't, you don't go and talk to him. Hello? Another uncle or another auntie, you don't go and talk to him. You endanger your life if you become a critic of anointed men. You, you are endangering yourself. You are touching things you shouldn't touch. And that is the maturity, the church man. You see Christians, they'll, call and they'll go on the radio, they'll be insulting churches. Just for one small mistake. Say maturity. Say discipleship. Because it is very much wrong for a man of God to be laying hands on you and you'll be insulting him. You'll be disrespecting him. They are talking about senior men of God in the church or in the nation. 
then you too, you are talking because your house is in a particular part. You've forgotten your real identity as a Christian. A disciple put God first, God's interest first. One day, I think there was a news where they said some churches are doing services during the day. Why should they be doing service? They should have been at work. What are they doing? Hey! Some who should go to work in the morning, they didn't go to work. The chambers were empty. You see, we, 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 we need to grow as Christians in this country else very soon our voices will be muted. The identity of the disciple is gradually fading. When I get to the next point, you will understand what I'm talking about. It's gradually, when you see a disciple, you wonder. It is not possible to submit to the Lordship of Christ without submitting to the pastors he has set over the church. You will be a stranded sheep. And a stranded sheep, you know, I was studying, I've, I've been studying, no, was, I've been studying about shepherding and sheep. Not like real, I'm reading a book on a shepherd over sheep. And I'm learning so much. So much. A big book. It's like I'm a shepherd. Like a fuller man who has shepherded sheep for a long time and has become a pastor. You see, when a sheep becomes stranded, Sheep easily lose energy. Sheep easily become vulnerable. You are very vulnerable. You and me, we are very vulnerable. One day, somebody, one of us came to my office. Do you know what she came to say? Then she was sitting there in, in, in a shop, in a kiosk, selling. And a man just walked in front of the kiosk, picked four stones, and looked at her face. He said, Four stones by April, you will die. So, give me any money in your hands and let me do something for you. And she came to my office to find out whether she should go and do it. We are very vulnerable, very, very vulnerable. Vulnerable. One of us went for a meeting. She didn't go. The mother went. And the prophet said, the person is going to die on her birthday. She became sick. Huh? No, no, it is an aluguzan arrangement between the prophet and the mother to discourage her from something she wanted to do. And, they, and, and she went to the prophet went there, they went and they, they gave her some oil they said she bring sand and some things and she came to tell me when she told me and I saw the prophet's office and said, that's an evil altar don't mind them, we will handle it for you it has passed four years now she's married, she has her children vulnerability you can be deceived. You, we, even after this service, you can just be going and somebody will meet you and say, mm. I don't disregard those ones. No. 
despise not prophesies, but you need to discern. You can be a lady, you are not married, you are maybe 32, and then all of a sudden they start telling you things. When they give that to you, your umbilical cord was not buried. They carried it somewhere. It is in some forest and some dwarfs are. So how am I going to get my cord? Where is your faith? When faith is weak, anything called fear can crush you. When faith is solid, no matter the news you hear, faith is able to handle it. And that is maturity. Spiritual sensitivity. Because we don't pray for ourselves. We don't spend time in prayer. Because we don't put God first. Any man that puts God first will be a prayer warrior. For himself, his family, the church, and the nation. Pray for me. Pray for me. So the church, you enter a church, 70% of them are there for pray for me prayers. Pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. You too pray. Disciples pray because they put God first. Because they put God first. Give the Lord a mighty clap offering. No disciple is produced outside the systems of the church. No disciple. You see, we, we, we get more motivated when other people are talking to us. People who are not believers. We, we, we want to listen to them to motivate us. The Bible is the best motivator. If you were reading your Bible and studying your Bible, your spirit will be inspired. But you see, maturity has left us. We want to hear tinkling things. If the Bible cannot motivate you enough, no motivational speaker can help you. Maturity keeps you in the house. And everything that was for the man, the prodigal son's father, came to the matured one who remained with the father. Maturity. If you mature, a lot of things will come to you. Things that you don't even pray for, it will come. Because you'll be due for inheritance. I pray that from today, your maturity will begin to surge higher. Your amen is not strong. Your amen is not strong. I pray that spiritual maturity will be your portion. Give the Lord a mighty clap of friend. John chapter 6, verse 60 to 66. I spoke briefly about it on Sunday. When Jesus preached a sermon and some of his disciples left. Many people love their pastors as long as they say things that they like. Oh, pastor, today was powerful. I love my pastor. But the day he comes to preach a message or he rebukes you. The Bible said, Jesus had finished preaching chapter 6, verse 66. 60 to 66. Jesus had preached about if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will not be part of me and all that. And the disciples got angry. Why should you preach like that? Why should you preach like that? 
Let's look at it. He said, many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, this is an hard saying. Who can hear it? Verse 61. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, does this offend you? Anytime you are following somebody, he will offend you. If you cannot take offense, you cannot be a disciple. You cannot. Your master is not there to make you happy. He's there to make you a disciple. Your teacher is not there to make you happy. When you went to school, did your teacher make you happy? No. I mean, one of the teachers, the French teacher of my children, my children fear her. Hey. Oh, when Auntie Pat comes, they'll, they'll be playing with her. When they call her, they'll be running away. They'll just, hey, come here. They'll, they'll know, they'll know in my head. But the French teacher, she doesn't smile. And they will be there. And they do well in French. They do well. A parent will say, ah, but this teacher, pa, when you come, you are not nice to my children. Is that what you want? When Jesus preached that message, the disciples, and a lot of them, not a few, move on. He said, what? And if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where, where he was, Madam, where he was before, 63, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profited nothing, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life, 64, but there are some of you that believe not. So Jesus knew those who didn't believe in his message, who didn't believe in his leadership, but they were in the crowd and they called themselves his disciples. But you see, there's always something that will separate the sheep from the goat. We come to the kingdom in one day, but we become disciples over a period. And in that period, there will be temptations to exit the class. But those that remain are those who become a reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Give the Lord a mighty clap of it. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should be trained. So as pastors, we literally know people who don't believe in our leadership. But maturity will not let you go. Hey, you, I know you, you don't do that. He didn't do that. Jesus didn't do that. It was at the last moment of his life that he looked at uh, Judas and said, what you have to do, do it quickly. 65. And he said, therefore, therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. 66. Look at the reaction. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Offense. Somebody say offense. Say offense. Say offense. They were offended in the message that Jesus preached. Those are not disciples. They are not true disciples. True disciples stay with their masters. 
Most believers are living for themselves and are living for their own interests. So anything that the pastor will say that is nice for them. Oh, amen. Right on, right on. But when it's an injection to correct, to convict, because of time, eh? let me move to the next one. The third sign of a disciple is that a disciple is committed to a life of purity. A disciple is committed to a life of purity. A disciple is committed to a life of purity. Every disciple takes steps to stay away from sin. Are you in church? Are you learning something? Every disciple takes steps to separate himself from sin. Because sin, now you don't need to go to sin. Sin is coming every day. Poor, 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 poor. You pass here, he'll meet you. You pass here, he'll meet you. You pass here, he'll meet you. But a disciple takes steps to stay away from sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 to 20. Those days when the apostles preached these kind of messages, people sold their lands and brought their money. But now if you preach this kind of message, if the person brought 100 CDs to give offering, he will give you one CD. But those days when they were preaching, the people would carry their money. So, most pastors are under pressure to say, I see, when God has not said anything. Because when you hear that, I see you in a big breakthrough. Amen! Take the money and come and drop. But this one, Pastor Enyo, 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 Sisemukakra, means the same. What? Know ye not that ye which is joined to an harlot is one body? Give me another verse so that they will understand the way they've done their face. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scripture says that the two are united into one. Move on. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Move on. Run from sexual sin. Hey. And they are telling us it is nothing. Hello? Read your Bible and you'll be safe. Because some of the messages that are flying is dangerous. Run from sexual sin. You are going towards it. You have been awa, I didn't know what happened. Who took you there? <laughs> I said, I didn't know what happened. You know, you went there. Well, you know. You didn't know what happened. I said, before I realized, no, everything has finished. What, what has finished? 
Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. I met a pastor and said, ah, Pastor Prince, so you have not stopped preaching the way you used to preach. I thought by now you should have. And I said, ah, that is the message I have. I can't preach what you're also preaching. Preach your own, I'll preach my own. Hmm. <laughs> He said, oh, you're an old school preacher. I said, I like it. It has saved me. Me, swagalistic man like that. I'm an old. <laughs> I say, you too, you're a Christian villager. <laughs> I think he was in a meeting and he was expecting something different. Then I said, oh, so this kind of man, you haven't stopped. I said, oh, it's still in the Bible until God tears this part out of it. We will preach it. 90. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. You don't belong to yourself. So you can't do what you want to do. You can't do what you like to do. You don't belong to yourself. Your body is the temple. Our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Twenty. For God bought you with a high price. If you go and buy a car, does the car belong to the car? Hello? Does the car own itself? You have bought the car. It's for you. The Bible said that for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Oh me, I'm a Christian in my heart. What I do in my body? If I put a tattoo, if I put a earring here, 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 it doesn't matter. The Bible says honor. <laughs> honor. True disciples honor God in their body. Yes, we all have issues, but this is where we all get corrected. The word of God. And every time the word of God is preached, you must find out which one belongs to you and take it cooler and go and work on it and get better. Give the Lord a mighty clap of it. A disciple is committed to living a life of holiness is committed. He may sleep, but he'll get up because he's committed. He may fall, but he'll get up because he's, 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 he's committed. He's committed to living a life of holiness. A disciple knows what is sin and the impact of sin in his new life. How can you have a clean water and you allow a bear to poo into the water? A glass of water that is clean and you don't protect it and some okoe is flying and poo-poo's and enforcing. Will you drink it? It changes the quality of the water. The impact of sin in your new life can be catastrophic. 
it will slow you down. It will, it, if your engine oil is dirty, the engine can fire. The engine cannot fire well. You are operating at a limited capacity as long as you entertain sin. As a believer, you are born again. You are the righteousness of God. Rise up, clean up, and become better. Clean up yourself and get more powerful. Clean up yourself and get more effective as a child of God. Give the Lord a mighty clap of it. The greatest contrast. Now, I'm getting deeper into the message. The greatest contrast between unbelievers and believers in this world is their lifestyles. I'm coming. Is their lifestyles. The lifestyle. Their lifestyle. Now, ask yourself at this point, as a believer and as a disciple of the Lord, how is your lifestyle financially, morally, time-wise, believing system? How is your lifestyle? What excites you? What makes you happy? What attracts you? Your lifestyle. Think about it. Your lifestyle. Your lifestyle are the fruits you are bearing. Your lifestyle. Think about it. What makes you happy? What makes you happy? What makes you happy? If we acknowledge that Jesus is the Savior and the Lord of our lives then we must be committed to living a life of purity that brings glory to his name. Your lifestyle. How is your lifestyle? Show me the pictures of your lifestyle. A disciple does not continue in his sins. He does not continue. You don't see that with a true disciple. We have a generation where lifestyles don't matter. So far as people can take and they are falling, their lifestyle, we don't care. But a true disciple, one of the signs of the disciple of Christ is his lifestyle. So when they saw Peter and just, this one has been with the Lord because something about Jesus will rub on you. Yes. Something about Jesus will rub on you. We have seen homosexuals, lesbians, drunkards, cocaine addicts. Jesus changing them. And they are preachers now. They are effective Christians. They are living a freedom, a free life from the yokes and shackles of sin. You are entertaining it and you are defending it that you have grace. So you can leave this one and leave this one. Somebody ran away from it and today is glorifying God. It's time for us to rise up, clean up 
and stand well as children of God. I thought you'd be clapping. I, 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 I always share this thing with you about the, the Rastafarian we help. I mean, Victor played a strong role in paying the fees of that guy. He has changed. He's an intercessor now. He's a, he's a, he preaches in the church. He's married. with. He has, that, when I preached the message of the gospel to him on Thursday, Friday, when he came to work, he has cleared everything. He never went back to it. Some have drastic change. Some too is a gradual one. Are you graduating? Are you progressing? That is the question. Because as long as we don't mature, the church needs disciples, not multitudes. Because multitudes cannot stand pressure. Disciples understand. Pastor, come. We need a guitar. It's 10,000. I need 10 people to give us. They will get up and come. Because they understand what the church stands for in their lives. Multitudes. Churches that have come, nowadays they take money, they take money, as if your cocoa seller has stopped taking money. <laughs> I, I am yet to see a cocoa seller who has stopped taking money. <laughs> and the churches have come, I am yet to see a tomato seller who has stopped, he said, oh, when you come, you collect as much and then give me a smile. <laughs> and we will take your money and do the work of God with it. Give the Lord a mighty clap of it. <laughs> a disciple must conduct himself well in a godly manner. Yeah. You must conduct yourself well. It's your, it's, it, is, it is something that must flow. It's natural. Because the seed of godliness and righteousness is, is in you. So the fruit, so you see, the spiritual maturity is linked to the amount of spiritual, the fruit of the spirit you are bearing. The fruits of the spirit. The fruits of the spirit. Maturity, you see, you, you, you have to have enough koinonia with the spirit in order to be given birth to the fruit. Kindness, gentleness, love, faith. It must flow. The fruits. If you are not bearing the fruit of the spirit, you are not growing. Are you you've gone home? Tell, tell somebody, are you soaking the message? Tell them, it's a good word though. It will save you from evil. Give the Lord a mighty clap offering. The responsibility for doing so does not rest on God. It rests on the individual. But God has promised to help us by his spirit. So, if I came to help you, it doesn't mean that I'm the one going to do it. Hello? The Holy Ghost is our helper. Who doesn't know? My helper, oh my helper. My, the Holy Ghost is our helper. That means that we must be doing it. Then he empowers us to do what he has called us to do. He empowers us to do what he has called us to do. 
Let me explain it better. You join a team like Barcelona and you are going for training. You use their facilities. You enjoy their medical treatment. You enjoy their salaries, their um, allowances, the atmosphere, the trainings, the education. They are edifying you. They are building you. They are helping you. They are empowering Now, when it's match for you to play, you say you won't play. Who plays the ball? You. The responsibility of living a holy life is on us. But God is our helper. Say, oh Lord, I receive divine grace to live for you. Give the Lord a mighty clap offering. A Christian disciple's lifestyle must be totally different from the lifestyle of an unbeliever. You better write that one to help you. There is a difference. You know how the word Christian came? A group of people were observed in the Bible. In Antioch. And they look at them. So maybe this church and the area people. They look at the way our culture, say church culture our culture, our mannerism, what we are doing. They have seen Jesus when he was alive. What he was doing. The way he was carrying himself. The, the, what he was saying. What he was believing. And, and they realized that ah, these people are behaving like Christ. Then the word came, these people are Christians. Hello? Get me that scripture. Victor. So they observe the people and they say, ah, these people are behaving like Christ. These are Christians. So the lifestyle of the disciple must be totally different. A disciple who plays drums cannot be playing drums in a nightclub or a beach party where people are smooching and dancing and drinking alcohol and you a disciple is a drama an organist a basis do 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 no you can't you can't you can't it must be drastically different from the world if the world sees themselves in you, you have failed as a disciple. The world must see Jesus in you. If an unbeliever looks at you and thinks that he is like you, you have failed. They must look at us and perceive Christ in us. Yeah. It comes with becoming a disciple. Number one, be hearer, be opened, never get proud. I've, I've studied my work with God and I realize that at every stage of the spiritual work, you can either flat, backslide, or move forward. 
And most people get there and they flat. They backslide. A little challenge and they are out. A little breakthrough. A little breakthrough. A little easiness. A easy comfort. A little. A little. The world, they, they strive their happiness on happiness. You see them on Facebook. This one has bought this car. This one has bought this house. This one has this money. This one has this uh, carrot of gold. That is what makes the world happy. That is not what makes us happy. Make us happy. When the soul is, is one, makes us happy. When there's powerful music in church, make us happy. When the church is growing, it makes us When the church buys a land, when the church moves to its auditorium, when the church helps the poor, when, these are things that makes us happy for the world. The one who was able to put the highest crowd. The one whose track is leading. That is not the way of the church. If the world can see themselves in you, you are filled as a believer. They must see Jesus in you. They must look at us and perceive the personality of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can somebody celebrate God with a clap? There is a redeemer, Jesus God, oh son, precious love of God, Messiah, oh, oh, oh. thank you all. Forgive as your son. Oh, Jesus, thank you, Lord. And leave your spirit to your works on earth. It's done. Forgive as your son, your son, and give your spirit to your works on The action of repentance is what leads a man to commit to a life of pleasing God. May the Lord bring us to that point. I said, may the Lord bring us to that point where our lives will continually please the Lord. To repent means to turn around. To turn around. Change of mind. Give me 10 minutes out. A change of mind. A change of direction. So how can you say you have repented and yet your lifestyle still is like the world? Then there has not been true repentance. Hello? You said you are going north and we said change to south. You, you claim you have changed to south but your direction still looks like the north. You have not repented. And this, this, 
in this month we need to do a soul searching and everybody has his level and you need to graduate you need to graduate repentance birth in earnestness in a sincere heart leads to a life committed to holiness I'm telling you it is if you get another equation from that it's a wrong equation repentance will lead a man to commit to a godly life check it in the scriptures I'll give you a scripture to that you remember the day Peter got up in the day of Pentecost and started preaching hello who has read it he started preaching the first thing he said was repent and when you repent you turn to the Lord True repentance turns a man towards God's direction. Romans 6, 19, quickly. I feel the anointing to teach. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, previously, formerly, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity, and lawlessness. This is New Testament. Which led ever deeper into sin. So how can you repent and still be committed to impurity and lawlessness? It should be our burden that the Holy Ghost that is in us will help us, will keep trimming us and purifying us and purging us and directing us and helping us. To grow into true disciples. He said now. You must give yourself. Not you will. Not you should. Not you should think about. You must. Hello. Hello. This, this, this is not a nice message. But you take it. It will help you. You must. Hmm. Can you see it? It's a beautiful scripture. You must. Give yourself. To be slaves to righteous living. And the righteousness of the righteous. Yes, you are righteousness of God, but live a righteous life. If you are a righteous, the righteousness of God, live a right. If you are a soldier, live the life of a soldier. If you are a policeman, live the life of a policeman. Say, live righteous. He said. Commit to righteous living so that you will become holy. This is Paul talking to a New Testament church. There's a message of the three-dimensional levels of holiness. So yes, when you become born again, you become holy. First level, you are unto God. You become a believer. But there's two other levels. I'll talk about that later, but look at that. They say righteous living. You, we must commit as disciples, commit to what? Righteous living. This is the way God wants every Christian to go. Non-compromising. There is no option. He said you must. Did you see the must? You must. Give, me that. Give me the message version quickly. 
He said, and how much different is it now as you live in God's freedom? Your lives healed and and expansive in holiness. Hey, give me another version. It's getting deeper. Another version. Be alive. I don't have much time. He said, please, are you seeing the scripture? Are you, are you here? Let me feel you some more. Give the Lord a clap. He said, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Repentance is not that show of sorrowfulness in the church where you cry. That is not repentance. Tears flowing is not repentance. I'm wrapping up with that. I may continue on Sunday. When you are showing tears, it doesn't show you have repented. I will show you three types of sorrow. That is not repentance. Three types of what? When you, are, when you see somebody cry, it doesn't mean that he's, he's, he has repented of what he has done. <laughs> we call it crocodile tears. Have you heard it before? <laughs> it is in the Bible, but the Bible didn't write it. We have captured it. <laughs> crocodile tears. Who has shed crocodile tears before? Be honest. Me have done some before. <laughs> I don't know who gave that name. Crocodile tears. I think I'll go and study it tonight. I'm going to find out where that... Because how can a crocodile tea shed tears? <laughs> if you see crocodile shed tears, you run away, you've gone to Paga, you're going to look at it. <laughs> Somebody shout mercy. A display of a lifestyle worthy of praise to our Lord and Master is what we call we call repentance. Now, many people are sorry for their sins, but they are not repentant of their sins. I think every human being at a point becomes sorry for some of the wicked and bad things we have done. Yes or no? I think, yeah. There's something in us called the nature of God. So, when you do something, at a, maybe at a particular time, you'll be very, very bad. As time goes on, the days and years are going on, you, you, you become sorry that you did what you did. It doesn't mean that, it doesn't assure us that you have stopped doing it. Let me show you three types of sorrow that is not repentance. And I'll end here. I'll continue on Sunday. Should I continue on Sunday? Yeah, the first type of sorrow that does not mean repentance is that sorrow due to a wounded ego. A wounded ego. I mean, when when it's so obvious that <laughs> you have disgraced yourself, <laughs> you want to show that you are sorry, and uh, I think there was this the. Uh, 
GFA committee, why, why, why. I heard the spokesman whose man has resigned or, and they are alleging some many, many, many misconduct with him, which I can't confirm. But you see, when you are, your ego, your ego is broken in an action. You just become sorry. If you're a politician, you give a promise, and then they come and ask you, you've not done it. You say, oh, we didn't know that. That was how the system, you just, but that, that sorrowfulness doesn't change you as a politician. When you get another opportunity, you will lie. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorrow that is because your ego has been broken is not repentance. And these three types of sorrow is what we see in the church. When we do altar call and you are coming, all you are thinking about, all the sins you have done, is just starts flashing in your mind plenty. So whilst you are coming, all you are crying. After seven days. That was not repentance. Are you following me? Let me do the other two, then we'll go. Sunday is going to be, see, I'm going to talk, I'm going to dwell on repentance. I'm going to talk about the nature of repentance, the struggle between repentance and stubbornness. I'm going to spend time because it's only in teaching that you get your deliverance assured. Because we can cast out the demon, but if you go to the same place, it will come back. And when it comes back, it comes with seven stronger ones. So your fornication level will go high. First, you love all these slim ladies now, fat, big, tall, you like. First, you like fat women now, short, slim, everything, black, white, green. They're like, "Mm, when did this start? The first one that went, he brought seven people. Give the Lord a mighty clap of friends. So when he came back and he saw that the room was not filled, and how do we fill that room? Through teaching. Fill it with the word. So by the time it is coming back, the place is not Sakura. There is another knowledge of God that has empowered your faith to fight it out. The second type of sorrow that isn't repentance is that when you, you realize that your sin has been discovered, <laughs> you have no choice. When you realize that your sin has been discovered, when you meet the criminals in the public in the court, all of them, their face is morose. I'm, I'm sure the suspect who killed the policeman when they arrested, did you see his face? When they were talking, say he was afraid. Well, you, you're afraid and you saw somebody. <laughs> and now they are coming out with a lot of stories. Right? Let's see what will happen. But normally when you, your sin is discovered, when your sin is discovered, I mean, one of the sins is like when you get pregnant. Outside marriage. Hey! That one they, they've discovered. You see, that is a confirmation of fornication. <laughs> the, the, it, it has been confirmed. Bam. <laughs> that one you have no choice. When you are standing before your father or your mother, <laughs> you have no choice. But we have seen such people repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. 
criminals in the prison, most of them, the police people know them. There are some criminals, the police people, when you take him, you say, oh, you come, giddy, 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 officer, I saw this echo, echo, saw the land. You say what? Echo. Where does he stay? Here. How was his color? Oh, he's dark and quiet. Oh, that guy. We are, we are sorry. You. We are tired with that guy. We are sorry. You can manage yourself. If we bring him, we will have to bail him. There's nothing we can do. So, that one, when they discover it, you chop money and they catch you. The third type of sorrow that is not repentance is a judgment of sin. When the judge, when there is a judgment on your sin or your error, when when they are going to like you go to court, you kill somebody and they are there and they are talking, are you guilty or not guilty? I'm guilty. Then your counsel say we plead for leniency. I mean, when you are when, when there is a judgment on it, you you be sorrowful. It doesn't mean that you have changed your mind. It's different from, you see, some people, some of you, the kind of boyfriends you are following, when you want to leave them, then they start crying. Believe me, I love you. I didn't do it. They, 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 they will start crying. What type of man is that? Koto, ah! suck him. He's not a serious man. Sack him. He said, no, tall again. Sack him. No, no, no. You, know, you have to believe me. You have to, the future is bright. The future is bright. <laughs> and you start crying. Give me one more chance. We are not married, poor. I should give you one more chance. Pack your things and go. True repentance is when we do a turn around. A thief may be sorry that he has been caught, but he would he would get he will he will steal again if he gets another opportunity. Have you seen a friend like that before? Let me see. A friend that did an error. When they caught him, he said he's sorry and he did the same thing. Let me see. Or oh, it is you yourself. <laughs> Rise up on your feet. <laughs> oh, somebody, if you are clapping, you clap. I want us to pray that God rain down your grace upon us. The grace, the grace to desire to grow. The grace to be hungry and thirsty, to follow hard after your word. Lift your voice and pray. The grace of God, the grace of God. Lord, for Banda la gabale koseberegedoa, mareconda basunde lekebea kadaya. Empower us, Lord, empower us, Lord. Rabababababababashadalababa. We assess grace. Somebody pray that, Lord, we want to be true disciples. We assess grace to follow you, Lord. Rabababakoshabalababa. Emalagadabababashadalababa. If I were you, I'll pray this prayer well, honestly from my heart. Rebo Baba. Paul said, The things I want to do, I struggle to do them. The things I don't want to do, I find it easy to do them. You want to pray for that grace, that Lord, let grace come upon me 
to be able to do the things you want me to do. Lift your voice and pray for two minutes. Pray for a love, a love, a love for the Spirit of God, a love for holiness, a love for righteousness, a deep love for Jesus, that you will put Jesus first in everything that you do. Lift your voice and pray. Disciples seek for the interest of their master. And Paul said that I may know him. I may know him. I may know him. The quest to know the Lord at every stage of our lives is what progresses us in our maturity to becoming disciples. You want to pray for one minute. That Lord, a love for you, Lord. A deep love, a deep love, a deep love for you, Lord. Rabosa Tapa, Palagada Bosata. And John the Baptist said, I will decrease for him to increase. Pray the Lord, increase in my life. Rabosa Malagadia, Rababala Bababaha, Zelele Kabayala Babaha, Zibrondoskipa, Mayandeli Kabaruanta, Epala Babala Malamalamalama. The mind of righteousness the heart of righteousness. Lord, set our hearts on righteousness. Set our hearts on our redemptive rights. Set our hearts on our dominion rights. Set our heart on eternal things. Let heaven be our vision. Somebody pray this last prayer. That every yoke of sin, every yoke of sin, any ton of sin that has held you bound at one place, Manduskataya, pray and break yourself free in one minute. Deploy the blood of Jesus, deploy the power of God. We break it, we break loose, we set ourselves free in the name of Jesus. We declare any yoke of sin any yoke of sin that easily beset us we pray for grace to triumph over it in the name of Jesus from today we access strength we access grace we access strength in the name of Jesus I wanna be a vessel that you work through no, I wanna be more. 
I wanna be a vessel that you work through. Lord, I wanna be more. Lord, I wanna be more like Lord, I wanna be more like Jesus. I wanna be a vessel that you work. Wanna be a vessel that you work. Oh Lord. I wanna be a vessel that you work through. Lord, I wanna be more. I wanna be a vessel. Let it resound from your heart to him. I want to be a vessel that you work. Oh, Lord. I want to be born. I want to be a vessel that you work through. Lord. I wanna be a vessel that you work. Lord. Let it be your cry. Let it be your heart cry. I wanna be a vessel. Lord, I want to be more. I want to be a vessel that you work. Lord, I want to be more. I want to be a vessel that you work. Help us, Lord. Wanna be a vessel? Hey! I wanna be a vessel. Oh, You work, Lord. Father, we ask for your spirit. We ask for your strength to follow hard after you. That we will not come to a point and we will not follow you anymore. That our heart will part after righteousness and holiness. 
that we shall put on the new man which is built and formed in righteousness and holiness. That the things that excite us that are not of you, Lord, from today, help us, deliver us from them. We pray for strength to prevail, to take dominion over destiny. We declare our covenant rights shall not fail. We disconnect ourselves from lifestyles that don't bring glory to you. Every evil association that is corrupting our manners, we declare a detachment in the name of Jesus. May your heart be saturated with the love of God. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Somebody give the Lord a mighty clap of praise. Oh, that clap.